Welcome to the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, good Saturday morning and welcome, welcome everybody to the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Thanks for tuning in today. I'm Rich Orris, filling in the big chair here today for Scott Mosby. And man, I really do... Appreciate the opportunity. Actually, love getting through this for everybody. So we've got the next two hours to talk about whatever it is that you may need. So from top to bottom, from the foundation to the chimney cap, we can do roofing, siding, windows, doors, leaks, stains, cracks, cracks in your foundation. We can go over whatever ailment you may have today Anything going on around your house, maybe even remodeling, you're thinking about some projects, what's the best way to do things, stuff like that. We can cover as much as we want. We've got the two hours again. Give me a shout today, 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. And for uh, kind of a reminder for everybody out there, you know, um, I am a a senior sales consultant for Mosby Building Arts. I've been working kind of under the reins here from Scott Mosby for the past 20 years. And I thought today, you know, I'd kind of maybe relate what we're doing here on the radio to kind of what I do on a daily basis and what we're trying to accomplish every day at Mosby Building Arts, going out, trying to help people. So, you know, we have uh, a mission statement. This is, you know, a lot of this is all you know, Scott Mosby and the leaders of Mosby Building Arts, you know, kind of vision of of what we want to be doing, how we want to accomplish it. So, you know, our mission statement at the company is to enhance lives and homes by relentlessly outperforming expectations for the home remodeling industry, which is kind of like, hey, here I am. This is why I'm here, right? So, I can actually enhance not only your home, maybe with some questions and some thoughts and some tips, but your life too, in a way of getting to do that. Maybe it makes it a little bit easier for you. Maybe, you know, it just helps you with that process or it helps you decide, do you think it's something that you can take on or is it really time to, you know, think about getting with a professional and finding out what really, you know, needs to happen and how and all that. So, you know, that's my goal today. And now that you understand like what we want to accomplish, how we want to do it and why we want to do it, I'll, you know, I'll kind of ask what's your goal. Um, you know, we have a lot of topics today we can cover. We can talk about all sorts of things, but I would love to, you know, hit the nail on the head on our topics for you by covering the topics that you need, your questions, your concerns. Again, one last time, we have two solid hours for you. So give me a shout. 314-436-7900 here today for the next two hours. And, you know, I do kind of want to start with uh, my favorite weekends, one of my favorite weekends here, obviously, Super Bowl weekend. We got the big day tomorrow. It's going to be pretty chilly out. It's going to be around freezing from what I saw tomorrow. And then come Monday, we've got Valentine's Day. So if you have you been through that whole honeydew list? Have you got that completed yet or not? You know, do you have any questions or thoughts or concerns about any of that that you're trying to accomplish before Super Bowl party or before Valentine's Day? Again, we're right here to help you out. So 
the weather we've been having lately, wow, talk about kind of up and down and all around the snow, the storms. Uh, man, was that a lot of snow we had about a week ago. But then in between, before, after, you know, we're, we hit the 50s. We had some really super nice days, which really causes a lot going on around your house with freeze-thaw, with, you know, cold getting in and then, you know, not getting in and your driveways, your sidewalks, concrete, the salt, the freeze-thaw, all the things happening with that. Definitely a lot to think about. And, you know, coming in February, you know, so we really kind of look at our list now. Of, so now it's February. So what what should I really be thinking about? What should I really be, you know, doing and maintaining around my house? And, you know, kind of what I would definitely recommend to a lot of people is to kind of make a monthly maintenance like schedule to really think about if, if you do the same thing. This is like our, our Mosby processes that we we follow when we design or when we build or when we're figuring things out. What's the process that gets you from A to B? Well, if you continually do that process time and time again, over and over again, you're just going to be better at it. You're going to forget less. You're going to miss less. You're going to just do it over. So if you have like this monthly kind of schedule, you know, at these times, it's all about that reminder, you know, so in this month, I've got this list. And these are the things that I want to make sure that I'm looking at that I'm checking that I'm doing. And you know, there's some things that it's it's really good. And, and what I really recommend, you know, in February is to really start thinking about spring, you know, start thinking about doing some stuff that will get you ahead of the game for spring, maybe be ready for spring. Um, you know, so everyone talks about spring cleaning. You know, you get into this, now it's warm, you could do all this, and that's perfect and great when you get to the outside. But think about the inside. Think about the things you could do to kind of preempt that. And, you know, so in February, you can be in your – in your laundry room, you could organize the the mud room, the laundry room, get things cleaned up, get things straightened up, so that you're you're ready and prepared, and you've got everything in order for that that next season. So think about the entryway, you know, the laundry room, the mud room, these areas, you know, that you use all the time. Think about the snow, the salt, you know, all the stuff. We'll clean that up and have that done and ready for you before spring even gets here. You'll just be ahead of the game. Think about organizing, organizing, you know, cleaning out closets, um, you know, different areas like that. You're inside. You can accomplish some of these things so that when spring does hit, you know, wow, you can get right outside and start that cleaning, the power washing, seal the driveway, you know, getting to all that exterior you know, a little bit warmer weather before it gets hot, you know, maintenance stuff out there. Um, think about the the what you want to do around your house, too, with your handy people or your professionals, for sure. You know, getting these processes started earlier these days is definitely very important. Um, labor shortages and timelines are stretched out and the amount of the work that everybody wants done. We've all got these, you know, longer stretched out timelines right now. So 
get to to those professionals even earlier. So if you're thinking, wow, I'd like to paint the inside of my house in the spring, or I'd like to maybe get to this bathroom or something, well, it might not happen this spring. I would start getting to people right away and figuring out, you know, what needs to happen, when can they do it, and really, you know, just make that schedule and have everything kind of uh, ready to go for you and, and, you know, be on the game for it absolutely. So, there's a there's a good list of things like that that we all could be doing during this time, you know, and think about outside the mud that's going to come in the spring. Look at your yard and think about, you know, while it's frozen, you could even see some of those frozen wet areas and think about the landscaping and the things that and kind of plan for that for when spring does get here and and does start to get muddy and everything for you. You can kind of control that up front and just keep it keep it neater, keep it cleaner for you. So maintenance is so so important on your house. So we're going to we're going to take our first break here, but I do want to remind everybody we've got a lot of time left here. Got got plenty of room. Phone lines are wide open for anybody. Anything you got going on, feel free to give us a call 314-436-7900 and we will be right back after this. All right, here we go. We are back. Rich Orris filling in for Scott Mosby again today. And, uh, you know, let's speaking more about February. Let's let's get into the actual Mosby Building Arts list of some maintenance things, because we kind of have that monthly list that I was talking about. And we have some suggestions of some things to kind of to follow and to think about it at different parts and different times of the year. So, you know, our list uh, made up with all of us together, kind of at Mosby Building Arts with Scott Mosby. Um, The first thing on there is to, you know, think about your drain traps under your sinks, remove, clean, you know, inspect, get the hair out of it, make sure the pop-ups are working, make sure all those drains are working and everything's functioning before you actually, you know, get to that clog and everything. So inspect, um, you know, sticking in the bathrooms and everything, inspect the grout, the caulks, you know, around your tub, sink, showers, uh, backsplash towel, really anywhere around any type of, you know, wet area in that bathroom, you know, fix any cracked or missing grout, um, clean the stained or the mildewed caulk um, and really cleaning that caulk in the corners of the shower and everything can really just kind of show you, it gets you to be able to see, is that caulk separating? Is it, you know, is it still sticking in that corner very well? You can kind of check all that out when you do it. And talking about, you know, reorganizing your closets, cleaning out your closets. Well, if it's been winter, you know, a lot of closets, especially in old homes, they're in in kind of the the corners of the room and they're always up against an exterior wall. So you're getting the cold kind of conducting through the full, you know, masonry walls of an older home and everything. So you might get some staining, um, a little bit of moisture in there. You could get a musty smell. So we would say, you know, when organizing, just clear that out, clean the walls with some, you know, bleach mix to just kind of freshen that stuff up and get rid of all that, all that problem. And if you do see a lot of moisture, a lot of stains from that, you know, really looking for that source from the outside to see if you're getting any true moisture coming in. 
Um, another good thing to do with closets is to kind of, you know, leave the door open, maybe spread some of the clothes out a little bit, leave a little bit of room for air to move and, you know, get through there because when you put stuff and you block off that exterior wall, you close that door, you don't let, you know, a lot of air mixing through there, that's when you can really get the cold maintaining behind pictures on the walls or the, you know, clothes hanging there, things in the way, and that kind of helps create all that condensation and everything because you're just not getting good airflow, you know, or good air movement. So remove that mustiness, clean that stuff up, make it better for you. Uh, in your kitchens and bathrooms and stuff on your cabinets, think about your doors, your drawers, your hinges, your glides and latches. You know, it's a good time to make sure they're working, oil them up, grease them up, make sure things are, are working out really good for you. It is definitely a great time to, you know, check your whole home, your security, your automation systems, your wireless stuff, just make sure all that stuff is working really, really good for you. I actually have some, you know, cameras I have around my house and, you know, don't pay too much attention to a lot of them, you know, just kind of go every now and then and they're just there for that extra protection. Well, we had unplugged one from the Christmas lights, cleaned everything up and and it never got plugged back in um, to the outlet. Didn't even know it wasn't working until I finally noticed one day. So, Having those things scheduled to check them out. Batteries are the same way. Check, replace any type of backup batteries um, for your sump pump system, stuff like that. Look into all that and make sure that stuff is working, working out for you and, and going to be good, you know, in the in the future with spring on the way. You want to make sure that you are getting that stuff ready for the excess water, the rain, all the things that are going to come. So, And don't forget, too, we've got plenty of time. Phone lines wide open for everybody today. So feel free to give us a call, 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120 from far away. Um, So, you know, one of the things we talk a lot about, you know, this time of year is painting. It is definitely, you know, a great time to look around the house and think about and plan for painting and, and, you know, getting the inside of that house freshed up and while you're in there. And today, you know, you don't necessarily have to wait for a little warmer weather to open windows and stuff like that. Cause you can, you know, when you do get a couple warm days, you can, but you get the low VOC paints and, and all these great products. And it's just not as potent and nearly as bad as it was, you know, years ago, but you know, thinking about some of the the small, easy issues that just a little bit of paint can really, you know, take care of for you and really make you feel just really good about the area, the home. You know, it's amazing how paint colors can really affect, you know, how you feel about everything around your home. So looking at um, easy things to do, okay, so like hallways, you think about the paint in the hallways. Hallways are, you know, they're usually kind of plain, utilitarian um, at best. Um, some are dark um, and really just don't have a lot of, of life to them. So think about getting a more cheerful, you know, lighter coat of paint in your hallways. Kind of make it a pleasant area to pass through as you're going 
you know, from one area to another and maybe hang some stuff, some photographs, family photographs, things that make you, you know, feel good, you know, about everything there. So that's a great way to kind of dress up hallways and just a little paint can really make you feel a lot better about them. Um, Cabinets, outdated cabinets, you know, it's going to be the most cost-effective way to just really dress them up, change the colors, really make them look good. And it is nice with with paint, too, because you can kind of play around. So if you do have an island and you think, well, let's make it a different color, let's make it darker, let's make it, you know, more of its own piece and everything, that's awesome. You can, you know, get it that way and see what you like. And then if you think, well, it's a little too dark, you can just kind of lighten it down and your second coat, maybe get it a little lighter or something and kind of test those waters on how you can really update and make those cabinets look so much better and brighten up the space. Um, and, and speaking of brightening things up, brick. So brick is a big thing inside the house I'm talking about, like your fireplaces, you know, places like that where you've got exposed brick in there and it can really darken up the room and it can really, you know, it, it has the reds and the blacks and the different stuff in it. So something that we do here at Mosby all the time is just kind of what we call like a white washing. So you don't necessarily lose all of those colors or those variants, but you get just that white wash right over top of it. You still kind of see the dark and the red and, and the things just kind of coming through it just a little bit, but it definitely brightens that space up quite a bit and gives you more things that you can do on the walls around that um, tile. That's another spot that, you know, especially if you're, you know, older home, thick mud set tile, hard to just really replace the tile or get all that off the wall and get something new. There are ways and it can be a lot more cost-effective, again, to actually paint that tile. This is where I would say you kind of border into that professionalism thing. It's like, well, you know, there's these epoxy kits that you can get, and if you follow them, you do things right, you know, you can really make that tile kind of lighter, brighter. Um, You'll lose the contrast of the grout because it's kind of all one color, but it can look way better than some of those outdated pinks and blues and greens and, you know, yellows of like really old, you know, older home, downtown St. Louis homes. So think about something like that. And there are professional people out there that actually do that. Um, Wood paneling, another way to brighten up a room. Wood paneling is, you know, the biggest thing. If your home's from you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, a lot of dark wood paneling going in. We see a lot of that getting painted to really lighten things up. And it's amazing, too, in the rooms how you can, you know, kind of make a smaller room feel a little bit bigger with the right paint colors. Um, And you can really, you know, just make dark, dreary rooms so much more pleasant to be in when doing that. Um, Another thing to think about is your hardware in your bathroom, in your kitchen, stuff like that. You know, you can, you know, little the right type of spray paint. You can spray paint them. You can actually take them somewhere and have them kind of recoated and and have that finish changed also because, you know, good 
hardware can really get costly and really get expensive. So looking in to some of those things, you know, is an easy way with paint to really change change everything about your space and, and just make it, you know, a lot better. So I think it's time we got to get into our middle of the hour break right now, but we've got um, Gretchen on the line. If you could hold the line through the break, I will get to you as soon as we return. For everybody else, feel free to give us a call. Plenty of room here. 314-436-7900. We'll be right back with Gretchen after this. All right, we are back. Rich Horace here filling in for Scott Mosby today, and we have Gretchen on the line, held the line through the commercial. Thanks for, for holding on through the break with us. Are you there, Gretchen? Yes, thank you. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you fine. Thank you for calling in. What do you have going on for us? Okay, I got two questions. First one is very short. A friend lives in the city. The backyard has a sidewalk and there is a sinkhole and the sidewalk kind of caved in a little area and the you know the grassy area alongside the caving part. Who would he call to get that uh, estimate and to get it fixed? Um, so you know if it's if the sidewalk is going with it, I'm, I'm right, guessing right. this is just like a sidewalk going to a detached garage out back or whatever. The, yeah, the house and then the walk to the detached garage in the back. Yeah, so so I'd start with the concrete because they can do a good base and all of that for that concrete. But you also want to kind of just make sure, like, how big this sinkhole is, how deep, you know, and, and maybe something I might recommend is if, if the sewer is leaving out, you know, the, the drain from the house is leaving out to the back going towards the alley at the same time they might want to get their their sewer line camera scoped and okay. checked out because sometimes that's you know where that sinkhole starts to originate is you might have you know a break in that and you've got roots getting into it or you got dirt and stuff you know filtering down into it and that's kind of you know that that the ground is going somewhere so it's definitely good to try and investigate you know, where that, why that's happening and all of that. So when they, they camera scope and they look at that with the sewer drain people, they can put, you know, they can put like a garden hose in that sinkhole, put some color to it and stuff and see if they start to see anything getting into that sewer line, you know, from anything washing through that sinkhole. So you definitely want to make sure that you're checking to figure out if you can find out why it's sinking. Okay, now he would he could probably call your uh, Mosby and they could recommend uh, some company to come out and do that. Yeah, yeah, we could recommend the concrete um, replacement and um, yes, the the sewer drain plumbing company to come out and take a look at that. Okay, number two. This is the second question. More involved. Uh, my, this house is uh, 62 years old. My stepdaughters live there. And in December, I was going downstairs, and they said there was a ceiling board. My father and an electrician friend helped, uh, you know, do, do a, a finished basement. And there, I've no, I went down there, turned the lights on. I didn't know anything about it. And there are about six ceiling boards that fell, and that the metal that holds the ceiling boards uh, one is is kind of hanging you know 
And uh, I was worried somebody said that might have had asbestos in the ceiling boards, but my father always read uh, Consumer Report. This is 1978. I think they were outlawed in 1980. But anyway, I don't think they're asbestos, but I don't know. But who who would I get to come out and check it out and and try to fix it? You know, the ceiling boards that are remaining – it looks like they're sagging a little bit, but only about six. There must be, oh, gosh, it's a bit, pretty big basement room, mm-hmm. so I have no I Maybe there's 20 boards, 30 boards, but only six so far have fallen. And I don't sure. have a wet bas- basement, never had a backup. Uh, so I'm, But, but it, we're at the bottom of a court, and it's a big hill. And we're near uh, a yard. A yard away is the Metropolitan Sewer enclosed uh, line. It used to be okay. a creek, but they enclosed it with concrete. So we're in a very low area. Okay. I don't um, know what to do. Yeah. So that ceiling is going to be kind of similar to that sinkhole. So you need somebody that can repair the ceiling, but you also want to get to somebody that will really look into. Why is it coming down? It could be something very, very simple of, you know, if if the, the it was all nailed and the nails are just coming loose, it could be very easy like that. And it's, you know, go back with screws. They're going to look and last longer and hold better. Um, but is there some sort of underlying issue of why the ceiling is starting to come down? And, and I'm guessing on that ceiling, are you talking about like white squares yeah, like about, they're yep. rectangular. Yep. They're large. And, well, whatever they did in 1978, I know my okay. father would have, you know, checked it out with Consumer Reports and gone to Central Hardware. I guess that's probably where he got them. So are they like two foot by four foot, or are they smaller? I guess it's about two foot by four foot. Something like, it's okay, I, so more like a drop ceiling type. Right. Um, exactly. So you're good with the asbestos. If that was in 1978, there are some ceiling tiles out there that had asbestos. Um, the the cutoff was 77. Uh huh. But they also let the companies that had some of these materials sell sell their stock off. Um, so we have seen things with asbestos in it that was put in beyond you know, 1977, not very far into the early 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just them, either somebody had it and it was lying around or, um, you know, they let them sell off some of this stock and everything and just stop manufacturing it. So there was a few years where you could have. So 78 is kind of close to that border. But the type of ceiling you're talking about, you you should be totally fine with. And um, so that is definitely something if you called us, you know, if you called Mosby Building Arts to to hear about, you know, get some recommendations on concrete and plumbing, um, this sort of ceiling thing is definitely something that we can do here at Mosby Building Arts. Okay, fine. Look at I know I don't have a wet basement. I did have to have a sewer lateral one time. Okay. But- you know, that was scoped, and then we had that done. But we're in a very low area. Everybody's telling me, oh, it's moisture. There, <laughs> You know, I don't see any moisture. It's not a wet basement. So I don't – well, it could be the age, you know. Sure. It, it was built in 1962. My father and a friend did this in 1978. So, heck, that's a long time. Maybe it's 
Yes. I don't know. <laughs> but call Mosey, and they'll advise me what to do. Yep, absolutely. Yep, we can come out and look at that drop ceiling, the issues behind that, and then we can give you some recommendations with the plumbing and the concrete and everything for the other house and get everything you need for us. So three, okay, one, thank four, you. Nine, you oh, before, sorry. and it worked out great. And yeah. I, I was awesome. so worried that it could be asbestos, but I don't think my father, I know he would have gone to a rep. I don't think Central Hardware would have been selling asbestos, especially, you know, after 1977. But thank you so much. Nope, I appreciate it. Thanks for the call. Great question. Um, let's get to uh, Jim here and see if we can get him in before the break. Jim, are you there? What do you got going on? I'm just going to do some remodeling in my basement, and I was planning to fur out from the concrete foundation with two-by-fours and then uh, drywall, and I'm wondering, should I be putting insulation or a uh, vapor barrier or anything like that uh, in between? Okay, sure. Um so insulation would would be would be good. You want to use something that doesn't have a vapor barrier on that insulation. Um, you really only have to have the insulation wherever your your foundation is is above ground, above the grade. But it doesn't hurt to just do the whole wall and really kind of soundproof and keep it nice and stable and you know all that. But you definitely want that wall system to breathe. And you okay. you do not want any type of plastic or any type of vapor barrier whatsoever in that wall system. Because what will happen is if you are getting any type of moisture, moisture vapor through the concrete, something like that, then it will turn to actual condensation moisture quicker and get trapped behind there on a vapor barrier and run down to the bottom and cause stains and, and issues like that. So in St. Louis, Missouri, scientifically, we, we don't put a vapor barrier anywhere on any wall system in any home anymore whatsoever for, for those reasons. Um, now, what you might consider doing that wouldn't be too bad is sealing the concrete itself so you can you know, use a sealer that you kind of spray on like a silicon based sealer and just spray those walls, or you could paint it with like a dry lock material, um, okay. you know, something that holds moisture back and that will at least kind of help keep the moisture vapor from coming through the wall and getting to that wall system. So that you can do on the actual wall, but nothing in your new wall system whatsoever. Okay, thank you so much. All right, no problem. Hey, Jim, great question, something we deal with too much in basements and everything. So and for everybody else out there, um, we're going to get into our last break of this hour, but feel free again to call in, and let's see what you got going on for you. 314-436-7900. We're going to get to our break, and we'll return shortly. All right, here we are. We are back. Rich Horace. Again, filling in for Scott Mosby today. Got a lot going on, a lot of great information, a lot of, you know, a lot of things going on. Great weekend this weekend. Are you at home getting ready for your uh, Super Bowl tomorrow? Um, think about, you know, for if you're not paying attention, the Valentine's Day is Monday, guys. So think about that, too. If you're running out to get something for the Super Bowl, Pick that stuff up, too. Don't wait till the last minute. It may not be there. So 
Just remember that also. And if you're getting ready for anything, you got anything going on around your house, you're trying to figure something out or do some stuff for uh, before the big game tomorrow, feel free again to give us a call here today, 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120 from far away. And, you know, so we had a couple great questions from Gretchen and Jim and the basement thing. You know, something we deal with all the time on, you know, remodeling basements and how to build these basements right. And what I'd really, you know, recommend in in figuring out getting into a basement remodel like that is to to check for moisture. So what I didn't have a chance to to tell Jim right away was, you know, there's ways that we can check um, the floor and the walls for moisture and you can basically duct tape a piece of aluminum foil would work onto the wall or on the floors. You know, we use plastic, just a clear plastic and duct tape like a two foot by two foot square to either your wall or your floor. And that way what happens is if you have high humidity levels inside the basement, you'll probably, you know, you might start to see, actual condensation start to form on that plastic or that foil on the outside and then on the back side. So if you see it through the plastic on the floor, but you can't feel it because it's on the inside, or if you peel the foil off the wall and you got moisture on the back side of it where it was against the wall, that means you're, you do have moisture vapors coming through you know, that concrete and, and creating, you know, raising the le- relative humidity level and everything inside that basement. And then you really know that, yeah, it's probably a good idea to do some of that se- sealer, you know, do some of that stuff to those walls or floor prior to, or even consider a sump pump if you don't have one, just to help make sure there's not a lot of water underneath that floor prior to finishing that basement. So let's, uh, we got a couple calls coming in. Let's jump on the phone to Bill here and see what uh, is going on. Bill, are you with us? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Awesome. Hey, this, is a follow, this is a follow-up to the insulating walls in the basement. Sure. Can you can you use a, like a closed cell foam on that? Um, well, you, you can. Um, you definitely can. In in today's world, they do breathe slightly. They're, they've kind of changed the chemical makeup, so I don't know that they're actually 100% closed cell anymore on, on all of the isonine spray foam and that. Um, so you can use that foam, and, and really what I'd probably recommend is just putting something back there, some baffles or something that you basically spray onto to kind of keep a little, you know, air difference behind it. Um, keep the foam, you know, not off the concrete, not sprayed directly to it. And that'll help keep air movement and, and all of that and moisture stuff. So, breathing. so you don't want it steering directly to the concrete? Yeah, I think it would be a good idea not to just spray it directly to the concrete. We do it at the top around the band boards a lot to block air infiltration. Um, so spray foam is ideal at the um, the top of the wall along the band board because it will block air infiltration from coming in where the wood meets the concrete and all of that. And if you spray onto the concrete, just that top, you know, 
four inches that sticks out past the wood, it seals things up real good, and it does very good up there. Um, on the walls, it, it would just be – it's kind of expensive process for our value. So you can get, you know, a little thicker fiberglass and get the same R value and still have it breathe. So I just don't know that you need to do the foam on the walls because it would okay. just be a more expensive way to get the same R value. It'd be a little thinner to get to that R value, but you can do a two by six wall and get to a really decent R value for a wall and make it very comfortable down there. And the fiberglass will be way less expensive. Okay. So it won't. I was worried about the fiberglass soaking up moisture. But, you know, it's light uh, and fluffy and air blows through it. I mean, it will soak up moisture if you get actual moisture, but moisture vapor, it'll kind of breathe through it. Okay. So, yeah, and not having the vapor barrier is what helps keep it dry, you know, and not okay. produce the actual condensation. So, yep, that's why we would stick with the fiberglass on the walls is just kind of a lot of money for the same kind of value. Sounds good. All right. Perfect, Bill. Awesome. Thanks. I appreciate that. Great question. Let's get to uh, Sharon on the line here and see what she has going on. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Awesome. Thanks for calling. What's uh, what's, um, what's thank happening? Thank you for your show. Oh, well, you're welcome. I, I, just, I just got a new window. I, it's, first of all, I live in a, a mobile home. It's a uh, Probably eight, ten years old, most. Okay. It's fairly, it's fairly new. Um, but anyway, I got new windows um, put in all around, and this was from a reputable company. And um, anyway, they all leak. Well, not all of them. The ones that, the one that does not leak is a large window in my computer room. Uh, there is a register underneath of it, but. I don't hear any feel any cold air coming from them from it, uh-huh. but the rest of them all leak cold air. And I had him to come out, and he said that first of all that you know usually they put heaters under the windows, but I mean I've got a lot of windows. Sure. And um, I he says he didn't know what to do. He says I I don't know what to tell you. So I, you know, and he came over, it was last week, and it was a day when it was pretty warm, so it's not going to be as bad. Sure, um, sure. What's on the outside of your, your mobile home? Is it vinyl siding? Yes. Okay, because, yeah, I figured it probably was with about 10 years old. Um, that, that Yeah, it's probably vinyl siding out there. When they changed the windows, did they remove any of that siding? You know, I don't know if they did. I don't think they did, but they said that they pat when they when they did the uh, windows that they put uh, packed it with something. Sure, um, and- Sharon. Hey, if you can hang on through the break, we're we're up against a tight break here, and I will I answer the rest of this when we return. Thanks. Okay, kid. Thanks. Welcome to the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, here we go. Hour two starting right now. Rich Orris in today filling in for Scott Mosby. And, you know, for everyone out there, we've got a whole nother hour ahead of us for you. So feel free to give us a call. 314 314- 
436-7900 or 800-925-1120, toll-free from far away. And we were in the middle of some some question here with uh, Sharon on her windows of her mobile home. So, uh, Sharon, are you uh, are you still there with us? Yes, I am. Okay, great. So... So yeah, this is um, uh, this is a common common thing with window replacements in in many homes. It's not it wouldn't just be you know to a mobile home, but in regular residential homes and everything. And so, you know what what I what I think you probably have going on is when they build your home and they build the the walls and they put the windows in and then they put the siding everything in you know over that they they use what they call a new construction style of window and it makes it easy for install while you build the wall cuz it has flanges that go around the opening you know sticking out from the window and they nail that or you know to the actual wall and those flanges are molded to like a vinyl window um, and, and even even other types of windows. They're kind of fitted in there, molded in there real well. So they can be used as a way to keep water out with flashing tape and house wrap and all this other stuff that they put around, you know, these these window flanges. So they put like tape on the sill and they put the window in and they put tape around you know, all the, the three sides, the two sides and the top. And, and basically, if you work that into a house wrap, then you have a system on the outside of the wall that will keep water out, but it will also keep air out. And so when you replace a window that's like that, you know, or a replacement window does not have those those nailing fins on it. And so what happens is, they rip that that other window out, that new construction style, pull those fins and everything out from behind the siding, and then they fit a window in and they kind of caulk around it from the outside. Maybe they put a little fiberglass insulation or something, you know, shoved in around the window to try and keep some of that cold in the air and the temperature difference out. But essentially what's happens is if wind blows, things like that, or if you get a negative air pressure inside your house, which they all have it. So as your furnace is running and it's moving air around the house, it can actually pull air in around any of these gaps, cracks, crevices between the inside and the outside of the home. So you think it's like a windy day leaking air, but really it's just, you know, pulling that cold air in around that window, around the door, if the gaskets aren't touching, stuff like that. So really what I, I think you got going on is they did this replacement window and you're probably getting some air around the siding and it's infiltrating in around, the, if you feel that cold, around the outside of those windows. Um, when we install these windows like this at Mosby Building Arts, if you have vinyl siding, it's our method to take that siding off of the wall, install a new construction window again. Then we can house wrap it. We can flash tape it. We can guarantee for years that you're not going to have a leak, any water leaks, anything like that. Um, and then we put that vinyl siding back up. So it's a much different process, and nobody really does that that much. Um, there's There's very... 
I mean, I Mosby's the only company I personally know of that I've seen actually want to do that in the replacement window world. Um, and it's about time and money and effort and cost because a lot of people might not be able to afford replacement windows if it comes along with a siding job also to, to help protect everything. So it's about that too and in, in how all these things get done. That would be, you know, my guess at, at what you have going on. Okay. Well, if, if I mention that to him, do you think he will do that or should I get you guys? Well, I, I mean, they definitely, the, the problem is they, if, if that's the system that they did, they did what they told you they were going to do. And it's not anything that we can't do as an industry. So it's not, you know, there's no code that says you can't do replacement windows. There's nothing. So, you know, if, if that's what they did, they have n- literally no obligation to, to correct anything like that because they gave you exactly what they said they were going to do. And there's nothing out there that makes them do it any different. You know, there's no municipalities or there's no code saying you can't do that. So there's really no, you know, recourse or or anything for them to do unless they said, yeah, we can do it, you know, but here's what it cost again, because we already did the first project and now this is a completely different one. And, and, and so there is a method that we can do that with some flashing trim coil and stuff that we can install kind of as, you know, we can take a replacement window and kind of make it at least work a lot better like a new construction style window. It won't be 100%, but there is a method that, that I have that we've put together that we can do that will upgrade that window and block a lot of that without having to buy all new windows. So that's what I would consider. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Should I mention it to him or should I just get somebody else like you guys? I I would definitely call Mosby and tell him you talked to me on the air and what you got going on. And we can come out. There's, there won't be any, you know, charge or anything. We'll take a look at it. We'll verify that that's the problem. First of all, because you know, we just want to make sure, um, look behind the siding, stuff like that. And then we can explain it and let you know what would happen, what it would cost, things like that, so that you kind of know what you're up against. But I don't know that the person that put the windows in are going to be good enough or educated enough to do a system that helps you out in the future like Mosby can. That would be my concern. Okay. Well, and also, I I did not need a new storm door, but I bought a new storm door and put it up just to get a new storm door. But that's that's another problem. There airs from the from the handle down to the floor. There's just a flow of air coming in there, and he told me that they they don't they can't guarantee that no that 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 that's going to stop the air. It's just going to block the wind when it comes. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, so we could look at that too. So yeah, Sharon, I would say um, you know give our office a call. Okay. Um, the phone number is three one four. Okay. 909-1800. Okay. And and we got to get into 
our first break of the hour here. But great topic, great question. Unfortunately, it's something I talk about way too much because it happens all the time. And we'd love to come out and take a look at it and make sure that's what you got going on. Okay, kiddo. Thank you so much for your help. I'm going to do that. All right, perfect. I appreciate it. And uh, if Ed can hold on to the line here through the break, we'll take our break, and we'll be right back after this. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center, the place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, here we go. Plenty of time for everybody. Rich Orris in again today. Filling in for Scott Mosby, having a great time, absolutely loving it. Great questions, great topics, great calls, um, just just having a great time. So for everybody else out there, we got plenty of time left to the top of the hour. Um, feel free to give us a call, 314-436-7900, 800-925-1120. And speaking of calls, we have Ed on the line. We've had some great ones today. Let's see what uh, Ed has going on for us. Ed, are you there? Yes. Can you hear me okay? I can. Thanks for calling. What's up? You're, you're welcome. Uh, I I heard the beginning of the first hour, and you mm-hmm. talked about indoor paint, okay? Yeah. I have a, a direct question about that. I have a, a paint in a 70-year-old building. It's plaster. I About 10 years ago, I had a guy who was really good fix do it. And it cost me pretty much money to do uh, redo it. Redo sure. it. It costs me a lot of money. But now I'm seeing hairline cracks in the corners. Do you see in uh-huh. the corners of the building? I mean, my question is, how wide do those cracks have to be? Because I think what I can do is put primer on that and then let it dry in there to kind of hairline, but cracks are going to get bigger. Can I put a primer on there, let that dry good, and that should take care of my problems with cracks? Um, It would have to be a a pretty small hairline crack because you're looking for something to kind of you know, span the distance of that crack. But it, it, let me, I, I, I hate to interrupt, but it's yeah, only in corners. Do you yeah, see? the inside only corners. In cor- yep. Inside corners in the, in, in the front of the house, which is really, anyway. But but I just notice them. I see these small cracks. Now, I could fill it with, you know, something, do you see? But I don't think I need to knock it all out and redo it. Yeah, you can definitely start with that primer and uh-huh. if it's a hairline crack. It is. You know, I, I, it'll I, I, it'll have a base, a good base to it that right. that'll join real well and then right. paint right. over it and it should work pretty well. If the crack opens up more yeah. later, then I would go to just a paintable, you know, stretchable caulk, like yeah. big stretch or something. And you really only need a little bit just to just to fill that. You don't I, need to caulk the whole corner like crazy. Yeah, yeah. I understand exactly what you're saying, but this is you know, because the crack's only gonna get bigger with time. There's no doubt about yep. it. And once it get gets smaller. there, yep, you'll need to fill it with that caulk or whatever. But for yeah. now you're probably great with the primer if it's right, still but, hair. You know, really, really, I'll tell you because you really gotta watch a house. Winter, winter thaw, winter. That, man, I'll tell you, you gotta watch an old house. 
You do. Oh, absolutely. And things will move. So, oh, man. you know, as they expand and contract and things like that happen, and in winter it's drier, the oh, humidity's yeah. down, so things yeah. shrink. Oh, in yeah. the summer, that crack might go away on its own. Oh, yeah, it will. It yeah. will. But it really, because, you know, uh, the, the humidity is, you know, the humidity, uh, the barometric pressure, all those things. I mean, you almost have to be a scientist to really understand it. You do. Yes, yes, you really do. I, I've had to do a lot of training, learning about the house scientifically to kind of understand. And these are all still theories. Right, right. Of because that science. I'll tell you, I, I have talked to Scott Mosby uh, over the years, oh, and yeah. that guy has a historical perspective that nobody yes. else has. Very true, yes. He has definitely really. been around, studied, and knows. I love the whole always talking about, like, Clayton and the clay in the oh, yeah. soil he, and where the bricks really good. came and from. It, and, he'll oh, talk yeah. about crawl spaces and things yeah. like that, that that we don't have them. I live in St. Louis. We don't have them here, but I had them in, near Crownlet Park. When I, and, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, makes awesome. Sense. Hey, great, great yeah, question, Ed. Yeah, I appreciate the call. Next time you call. see Scott Mosby, tell him to keep up the good work, will you? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, I for sure will. I appreciate that. I appreciate great question for everybody out there. Um, and uh, so we've got Kevin coming in on the line. So let's go to Kevin and see what we have going on. Kevin, can you hear me? Hey, yeah. How you doing? Awesome. I'm doing great. Um, thanks for calling in. What's happening? I was calling in uh, the guy that just uh, hung up that's having the paint cracks. Sure. Um, you know, when you park your car, it doesn't go anywhere unless somebody hits it or a storm hits it. Yeah, exactly. And I'm thinking when, he crack, when those walls are cracking, uh, I'm in the foundation business. There could be more going on than that, especially in the corners. That's oh, yeah. usually where it starts. Yeah. So he, if he's got some movement going on, he could be chasing paint cracks forever. Yes, no, but, absolutely. Know, he, might, he might want to make a call to a foundation company and, and see if they can come out there and analyze that and see if the structure of that house is moving. Uh, before it destroys all his nice plaster work that he's got done. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's definitely, um, you know, kind of going back to, um, you know, Gretchen's call with the sinkhole um, and then the ceiling. Like my ceiling, you know, the metal track's coming down, things are falling, you know, and it's like, well, let's make sure there's nothing underneath all of this because if you've got even the smallest sinkhole in your backyard – that that ground's going somewhere, um, you right. know. So so houses, especially full masonry, seventy years old, um, absolutely block foundations. You know, you know the the stone limestone, the blocks, the different, you know, that sort of thing. Right. There, there's definitely a lot of uh, signs that can be looked for. Um, so hey, real quick, Kevin, if if you know any. If you're walking around the inside of like his basement, what would you be looking for on the foundation walls to kind well, of you'd indicate be for if something's on going the foundation on? Walls, but mm-hmm. uh, the most um, adequate way to get to the bottom of it would be to run a laser in the basement and then take measurements all over the basement and see if there's any significant settlement in areas that are translating to the issues he's having up on the main level. Yeah. Yep. No, that that's good. And, and, and remarkably, uh, I'm a lot more comfortable 
understanding that 70 years ago, they probably built that house more level than 10 right. years oh, ago, yeah. you know? Right. <laughs> it's, it's quite amazing. Um, but by that, having it, having it uh, inspected like that, then you can eliminate that. And, you know, they may very well go in and say, hey, there's no issues here. Sure. But, um, you know, they may alert him to some issues. If they say there is no issue with foundational movement, then he would be confident moving forward and correcting his cosmetic issues. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Great thought. Great so, idea. Yeah, I'll, I'll give a plug for my company. Absolutely. Helitech. Helitech. Yeah. I know you're familiar with us. Oh, Helitech absolutely. Online.com. Yep. He can uh, Google Helitech online.com or, you know, he can call the office and make an appointment and we'll get somebody out there to take a look at it for him. There's no charge for it. Yep. Awesome. Hey, appreciate it, Kevin. Thanks for the call. Um, you know, and kind of like the same thing I was, you know, talking about with, with Gretchen on that ceiling. It's like, so you could have issues going on. You could have termites. You could have anything happening that could be causing, you know, parts of a ceiling to want to collapse or fall or, or done in the 70s. If they put that track up with nails and, you know, basically we're, you know, the more we've talked about how the wood expands and contracts and in the winter it's smaller and in the summer it's bigger and all these things happen. Well, you know, nails driven into wood, basically there's membranes. There's like membranes in the wood that swell, that grab that nail and kind of hold on to it. And in some amount of years, those, those membranes are going to shrink back down. And that's how you get nail pops. That's how you get just nails literally backing themselves out. So her ceiling issue could just mean they nailed it up there. It held great for like 30 years. And then the nails just let go out of the wood and they're just sliding down, which the bigger problem to that is if you fix a small area, you could be chasing your tail, finding these areas over the next two, three, five, ten 10 years of you could have a section of the ceiling falling down every year or two, you know, in different areas, unless you go through and you correct that for the whole ceiling, if you find out that. So it's a simple issue. It's not a big deal. Um, it happens over time, but, you know, it could become a bigger problem of just having to completely keep reoccurring and fixing these, these issues all along. So we're going to get into our middle break here, but Hey, for everyone out there, phone lines are wide open for you. 314-436-7900. Give us a shout and we'll be right back after these messages. All right. We are back and we are counting down here, um, getting through this, having a blast with everybody today. I made great conversations, great questions. I love all the different input. I love people calling in to help out and, you know, interject things or ask more questions about it because there's so much information out there, you know, with everything that it is hard to think of a hundred percent of everything that's happening or may or may not be happening, but, um, you know, doing the best to get in the bottom of everything and appreciate the help over the KMOX, uh, listeners out there. So speaking of the listeners, we've got Don on the line from Centralia um, Don, can yeah. you hear me? Are you with us? Yeah, I'm here. Hey, what's uh, happening, my man? Okay, I painted some cabinet doors white with Dutch Boy kitchen cabinet uh, acrylic paint. 
turned out perfect. And I thought, well, let me spray some white or some clear lacquer on it. Well, I sprayed some clear lacquer, and I got out this morning, and I got yellow streaks in the damn thing. I was yeah. wondering what what would cause it, or how do you correct it, or what do you do? You just uh, live with it. <laughs> well, uh, you're either going to have to go backwards and get that lacquer off and start over, um, or you're you're going to have to just live with it. Um, I, I'm not sure if you know. Um, trying to repaint again with the lacquer on there would be the best way to, you know, you'd have to prime really well, like scuff it up and get it to stick. Yeah. Use a really good primer. You're starting your process all over to get rid of that stain. But I've seen that before where, you know, any type of like a lacquer or something over a painted surface, it just kind of, it does something to, to the paint underneath that you know lacquer's more meant to be on top of like a raw piece of wood with stain or something like that where it doesn't you know just the combination of the two can mess with you know how that paint works and in effects and everything else so well, yeah what about using a wipe on poly or something like that over the paint I, I i i'm afraid you might get the exact same problem is really what you want to do if for more protection on the paint you just need to get into a a higher grade or a higher gloss paint that has more of that you know kind of material already in the paint to give it that gloss and to give it that kind of you know scratch proof kind of protection or whatever so you know flat paints are going to show a lot more and, and going to scratch easier and chip and things like that and the more you yeah. get into it, you know, that's why like oil-based paints are so solid and so hard and so tough. That would be like your your best paint type, you know, to really protect when putting it on, you know, at the home, out in the field or whatever. But it's just so hard to work with. takes forever to dry. Um, it's horrible to clean up. That's why there's just not a lot of that you know, really happening anymore. And people paint so often anymore. That's kind of part of that oil-based yeah. thing too, is when they yeah. use that oil base, well, you got to keep using that oil over and over again to get it to work well. Because if you go yeah. with latex over it, you got to change that surface. Like I was just talking about, it makes yeah. it a lot harder to do. So, you know, um, but people change the colors and all of that. So no one really goes to a good, hard, you know, oil-based paint like that anymore. Well, so, what about if you would uh, uh, put a tint in your lacquer? Would that act as a color barrier, or would that still snake through the the finish? I I think it would still possibly snake through because that you know what it's doing to the paint underneath and pulling those you know tints or whatever out of that paint. I think it would separate any tint you put in the lacquer and still show up. Yeah. Yep. Well, it's looks like I gotta redo the whole the whole kitchen. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's like you're kind of back into that whole paint job again and everything. Um, but yeah. yeah, I think that's the only thing that's gonna, you know, get rid of that is um so a real high gloss uh, who who makes a real good high gloss paint? 
Oh, I would say like Sherwin Williams paint. I mean, there's some good paints out there, you know, for the, there's, you know, good paints out there for kitchen cabinets. If you tell them that's what you're painting and you want a tough surface and, you know, a, a better gloss so it doesn't scratch real easy and all that stuff, they can, they can guide you in the right direction. We use a lot of Sherwin Williams paints. Yeah. You know, they're, they're pretty good these days. So in other words, there's really no top coat you can put over white paint. Uh, to, uh, yeah, to, not that know. I know of. No, uh-uh, that, that doesn't, you know, they might not all do that but and not do it every yeah. time, but it's often enough that we see that oh, that no. keeps us from no. doing it. This looks like a uh, striped baboon in my kitchen. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thank you. Hey, no problem. Appreciate it. Tough, tough issue going on. Great question. Um, definitely a hard thing to deal with. And that's why, you know, painting kitchen cabinets just in general can really be, that's one of the first, you know, paint jobs that I usually tell people. It's a real good idea to consider, you know, some professionals that do that all the time and to see where that cost would lie so that you can then kind of find out about it, make a good educated decision and, and see if that's where, you know, you, you decide to use a good professional because then that would be on them. And, and you'd be like, why do I have these streaks? And, and they would correct it or, you know, that sort of thing. And, or they'd use a method where that didn't happen so that, you know, you'd just be kind of one and done so it's really a matter of when do you put those, you know, right professional people in the right places, you know, in order to get a good thing. And you can kind of pick and choose, you know, when do I think there's a DIY thing I can do? But I, I generally try and tell people, man, the, the, the cabinets are one of the spots, cabinets and then like rails, handrails, spindles, you know, real detailed things like that is some of the first places I say you might want to really consider, you know, getting to a great professional painter that can take care of that for you and, and really have it, you know, done right the first time, looking good, all of that sort of thing. And or sometimes, you know, some of the things we talk about all the time too are, you know, putting in things. So unlike the kitchen cabinets and stuff when you go to paint, but, you know, in purchasing and installing products that come pre-finished um, factory finishes are, are awesome and you can really you know get to some great things like front doors doors into your home steel doors um, you can get these things pre-finished um, ceiling panels and you know there's a lot of like different types of like beadboard ceiling panels. There's newer systems out there where kind of like what Gretchen was talking about with the metal track and everything, they've got these tracks that can go on and they're awesome for covering up, you know, high textured areas, popcorn ceilings. If you could, you know, do a beadboard ceiling over that where you can get this metal track system and apply this, you know, beadboard type ceiling and it comes pre-finished. So it can be white you know, you can find it in like the stained kind of a natural, you know, wood look beautiful type of, of material. And then you're not doing the actual painting part of it. 
it's really all done for you. And another thing that's really great to consider, you know, on some of these products that that wouldn't need painting is um, metal, like a tin or a metal. There's a lot of different, you know, those metal square ceilings. So if you've got a, a little area or something that, you know, you want to cover up a deep texture or a popcorn or something like that, there's a lot of these things out there that can help you do that. And, and you know, the metals obviously are going to come in a lot of different colors and look like copper and look like, you know, all sorts of different stainless steel or painted type colors. There's every option out there that you can ever imagine. But now you're not trying to do that whole painted portion of some of these products. And it's just a one and done awesome finish works really well everything so hey i think we're going to get into our final break here of the whole two hours so only one segment left so we'll have time to get you in if you have a last minute question for us feel free to give me a call 314-436-7900 lines are wide open and we'll be right back after this all right. Hey, final segment. Rich Orr is here filling in today for Scott Mosby, sitting in the big red chair, right? Right. Filling in for Scott, having a great time. We got Mary on the line. Let's get Mary going so we can make sure we can help her out. Can you hear me, Mary? And, and I thank you for taking my call. I'm not sure if I have a problem or just an aggravation. Sure. It's related to my furnace. After the furnace turns off in cold, cold weather, uh, there is uh, all about four to maybe four minutes afterwards, there's this loud thump, and it occurs all the time. Do I have a big problem? Before I call a heating and cooling person, I'd like to have a general idea as to what sort of questions I might need to to have answered. I will say the heat pipe the heat pipes in my home are probably about uh, 58 years old. Oh, okay, so all the ductwork and everything, your whole house is about 58 years old? Right. Okay. Have you had anything done? work done like basement finishing work or uh, yes i had a i had uh, uh, some pump installed last january okay um that i wouldn't think would um really shouldn't have done much to it but because it sounds like if it's something that's happening for minutes after everything shut down a lot of times it's just the actual ductwork ex- itself kind of you know cooling down and it, right. and it and it just shifts and moves and and it can kind of like you know pop down and make like a, a thumping sound um, and sometimes it can do it either when it's turning on and getting started up or after as it's kind of you know cooling down I've heard I've heard them when they turn on where it, it happens as it goes down the line and it almost sounds like somebody's walking like across the house from like the midpoint of the house down towards the bedrooms or something um, what, with that uh, ductwork moving. It's only after, uh, thank yeah. goodness, it's only after uh, the furnace turns off. And it's rather loud. Okay. Uh, so is the whole uh, basement unfinished where they could see all this ductwork? 
No, it's not. Okay. It's, uh, no, it isn't. Uh, yep, because so... I've also seen where things happen, you know, that, um, like, I, I had one years back where um, uh, they had a hardwood floor installed, and they started getting noise with the ductwork after having that installed. And what happened was the nails of the hardwood floor poking through the subfloor went in and started like literally hitting the ductwork. And it kind of changed the circumstance of that duct between the floor joists and, and caused it to start making that noise. And they just had to track it down. Once we found where the noise was and got into that, that's what we figured out. We were able to do some work to the actual ductwork to make that stop. So I think you're in kind of an investigation, kind of tracking it down thing where, you know, yourself or someone or the HVAC company that you work with needs to be in that basement when that shuts off and kind of like hearing it happen tracking it down and seeing where and, and why that's happening is going to be your best bet to, to figuring out, you know, where and why it's going on. So you don't really have any particular questions that I might need to ask of them, or you don't have any suggestions apparently? No, not yeah. really. It's more just about, you know, the, the main question would be, is that something that they have time to deal with right now? Um, yeah, right. Because there's, you know, it's cold right now. All the the HVAC people are very busy. Yeah. And, and some of them might kind of say, well, we'd love to help you out, but it might be in, in like three weeks instead of, you know, three or four weeks instead of tomorrow because they're literally so backlogged and so busy and so many things happening when temperatures are getting down to you know, zero to 15, 20 degrees, like, like they are, you know, about around 20 degrees a day, things just happen to break down more and have problems working and, and they're all just very busy. Sure. But that would be, other than that, I would just explain, you know, what's going on, what's happening and, and see if they have any ideas and then seeing if they're, they'd be willing to come out and, and try and track this down and, um, you know, figure out a, a resolution to it for you so okay well thank you so much oh no thank problem you. you're not a problem at all you're very welcome great question um uh, appreciate the call and you know this is the the type of things that we do not so much with duck work and in hvac stuff but in houses in general it's really you know how do you build it the best how do you have systems that work better um, and really take care of everything and, and what do you go through in order to reassure that so a lot of you know what we were talking about learning about the house scientifically having a lot of these theories and then being able to go into a home and use those theories to try and track down troubleshoot and figure out you know why things are going on even even as good as we can be at it sometimes there's just mysteries that are beyond belief that there's this really no particular way to to solve or to know exactly why it came about or things like that. I get that a lot. Like, well, why is this here now? How is that? You know, I've done, I had a basement where people lived there for like 30 years, never had a water issue in their basement. We go in and 
we break through the concrete floor to run a drain over to a new area so we can put in like a wet bar and all this in their basement. And under this floor, I'm here to tell you, it was a river of water. They never, ever had water for 30 years. And now they got a sump pump that runs all the time. And this water, it just manages this water. And there's really no answer. The water was probably already there. It just never came through. It just had a path to go. And, you know, it takes the path of least resistance. And we changed the circumstances underneath. And there you go. We end up with this big thing that, you know, they're like, did you cause that? Not really. I mean, the water's coming. I don't know what to tell you, but, um, you know, so there's a lot of things like that. So we have a lot of, of systems here at Mosby, like we were talking about with Gretchen, about how do we install a new construction window in a vinyl sided wall? You know, how do we vent out a bath fan to the exterior that's like 10 times different from everybody else that works better than anybody out there. We have so many different systems and things, downspout drains in the ground, how we put them together, French drains, how these things work. We do so many things. I invite everybody out there for sure. If you have anything going on, you really want to learn and educate and know the best way to do these things, give Mosby a call. Have one of our consultants out just have the conversation about what is it, how do I do it, and get educated on it. Then you can make a great, you know, educated decision. So you can find us at callmosby.com or give us a call at 314-909-1800. We'd love to come out and help you out and see what we can do. So I had a great time today. Love doing this. Appreciate all the phone calls. Love filling in for Scott, and we'll do it again soon. I'll talk to everybody later. 